days. All the mamas that's got kids out of school just said, should have said amen right there. For days they've been pestering you. But Paul being grieved turned and said to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. And when her masters saw that the hope of their gains, their money train, was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace and to the rulers, brought them into the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. Here's what I want to get to. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. That don't mean take really good care of them. That means put them somewhere where they can't get out and nobody can't fool with them unless I tell them to. Lord, your word's already anointing. I don't want to preach anything that would harm anybody or hurt anybody, but God, I want to leave here saying it's been good to be in the house of the Lord. Open our eyes, our ears, and our understandings to receive your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Give God a big old hand clap as you're seated. Thank you so much for your worship. God bless you. Thank you, Pastor, for helping I had a lady one time I went to a church to preach and she was playing piano and I turned around and asked her if she knew such and such song. Well, what I didn't realize there's another song by that same name and she knew that one but not the one I was going to sing. And she got mad at me because I sang something she didn't know how to play. And when I walked off stage, she said, if you ever do that to me again, and I thought, I wonder who your husband is because that's who we need to pray for. Brother John, you better not laugh too hard. She's right there, brother. <laughs> we live, United States of America, we live in a country that Sister Goins did a great job in Sunday school this morning. Anytime somebody talks about Paul Harvey, my ears perk up. I'm a Paul Harvey guy. Some of y'all think, Brother Dunham, you can't be that old. I grew up with my grandpa listening to the rest of the story. We enjoyed that. Then he cut it off because he didn't like the music to come on after Paul Harvey. But that's another message for another time. But we are being bombarded by different ideals and different things. There are actually places right now, and Pastor, he can attest to this, so you know I'm telling the truth. If you were to go preach with our good Canadian friends, there are words that you can't use behind the pulpit, or the church can get sued and you can get sued. Now, this is not what I'm preaching on, but it's very vital to what I want to build here tonight. Brother Obi, if you get up there and you were to say that God can heal somebody of homosexuality, there's a red flag right there. That's hate speech. And some of you sitting here, Brother Dunham, this doesn't apply to me. There's words that's probably in your everyday southern vocabulary that you don't realize in other parts of the world are very offensive. There's things in this King James Bible, not that that's the only version. I just know that there are things in this King James Bible, the New King James, even in the Amplified, and even in the, the EJV. There are things in that Word of God that in some congregations, in some places, uh, where if you would begin to read from Scripture, you wouldn't even have to share your opinion, but somebody would get upset, uh, and they would get their spiritual undergarments in a knot. Come on, somebody. And they would say, well, you can't preach that here. You 
going to stir up something. You're going to trouble where we're at. And I thank God for men and women that will go to places like Canada and other places and say, you know what? We're going to preach the word of God. And yet we might have to do some things. And we might have to go along. But we're still going to preach the name of Jesus and the blood of Jesus. I want to preach for just a little while if you'll allow me to. Sometimes your mouth can cause trouble. I just seen some of y'all looking at some people next to you. Anybody ever said something you wish you could have reeled back in? I'll just use Brother Danny for an example. He's always a good one to you. You ever said something you wish you could go? But you can't. Whoever come up with the, the, the phrase, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. There are times I wish somebody would have physically slapped me than what came out of their mouth. There are things as a husband and a wife that you can say to one another and totally tear down something. I'm trying, you can ruin a good week, man, by one bad statement. You don't have to clap. I know I'm preaching, right? My wife has told me before, she heard somebody in, in a service somewhere that talks about the man being that seed planter. And, and you know, you, you're sowing seeds, so you set the tone for your house. And if you get up in a bad mood, and you know, especially before she's had her coffee, and you start with this or that, you're setting the tone for your whole day. So I have done found out, I just start my day with Jesus. And if she don't say nothing to me, I usually don't say nothing to her. And my wife doesn't wake up in a bad mood. But but I'm one of them types of people when I wake up I wake up singing look what the Lord has done hallelujah it's a great day to be alive and she wakes up just saying if nobody messes with me I won't mess with them now, she's not the only one a lot of you are like that too and you, you don't know how somebody like myself could wake up so perky get up on three and a half hours of sleep and be zippity doo dah zippity day. she's like we stayed up half a night with the baby I'm like, well, it ain't going to do no good to get mad about it. That's the kind of spirit that the devil is looking for somebody who is always low. He ain't looking for somebody that stays on cloud nine all the time. Not that he don't mess with us type people, but he's looking for somebody who is already compromising on his word, already giving in to the enemy, and he's wanting to reel you right into his trap. Notice here, the, the, the devil put a plant in their life, and before they even really started preaching and teaching the word of God, that lady was falling behind them, trying to be a distraction, trying to pull away from God. I want to tell somebody in here tonight, not everybody that attaches themselves to you in your life is for you. Sometimes the people you see the most can be doing the most damage in your life. You need to see, you need to hear what's coming out of their mouth and see what they're doing. Some relationships are better at a distance. Come on, somebody. Sometimes people breathe in curses and negativity. The more you hear that, the more it gets in your spirit. Any of y'all ever been around somebody that's negative? And before long, you'll catch yourself falling in the same trap. I'm glad to be in a church with men and women and boys and girls that choose to lift up the name of Jesus and choose to say, we're not going to focus on everything wrong in the world. We're going to focus on what God is doing right here on the Holy Ghost field prayer meetings, on the oh, hallelujah, on the water troubling baptisms, I 
wish somebody right now would just lift your hands and say, God, I'm going to focus on the blessing and not the cursing. Oh, hallelujah. So, how could somebody who's building you up have a bad spirit? She's like, these men are serving God. They're servants of the Most High. She never agreed, though, with what they were preaching. Because if you'd have had any sense, you'd have realized they was anti-fortune telling. You know the difference between prophecy and fortune telling? One of them's got the spirit of God, and the other one's got the spirit of the devil. We don't read palms in this church. Only palm I want to see is one like this, praising the Lord. I can read that palm. That means somebody is surrendering to God. Look, let me tell you what. Brother Dunham can map out your future when I see your hands lifted up. I can tell you that no matter what you go through, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost. If you'll keep those hands lifted up, I can read your palm. When you surrender to God, he'll commit himself to you. My, 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 my. If you always, Brother Wooten, in a defeated posture, you're going to live a defeated life. But if you'll get your hands up in praise and begin to praise him, you'll feel a change in your life. Your victory is in your mouth. You don't believe me? One writer said that, that your praise would continually be. Huh? How many times did David say, sing unto the Lord a new song? Boast in all of his goodness. Let the mountains and the hills rejoice because he is good. David, he would start those psalms off. And the reason why he would say, sing unto the Lord a new song. If you'll notice, a lot of times when David said that, he'd be coming out of a low point in his life. I've done found out, Brother David, the greatest way to get out of hell and high water in your life is just open your mouth and begin to praise your way out of it. I want to help somebody right now. Victory's not in your bank account. Victory's not in what kind of home you live in. Your victory is in your mouth when you begin to declare greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Somebody shout, my victory is in my mouth. You speak death, that's what you're going to get. I don't mean this to be mean or rude. I love Brother Johnson. I love revival. But I, ain't, I, I don't wait on an evangelist to worship. Come on, somebody. I'm glad I go to a church where we, you know, you want to know why God moves so much when Brother Johnson comes? Because he don't have to spend three weeks getting us ready to receive the Spirit of God. Brother Johnson told me in pastor, he said, when you come here, he said, the atmosphere is already prepared. He's just flowing in the Holy Ghost. And that's why God moves. But I want to challenge you. Don't show up at church and say, well, I'm going to wait on the praise team to usher me in the presence of God. You want to know why we got prayer rooms? It's so you can go in there and crucify the flesh and walk in here not burdened down and not weighed down. Come on, somebody. We can't get delivered from all of our stuff until we realize that God's been bigger than what stuff we're carrying. God's bigger than what hell we're going through. I wish somebody would help me just for a moment. He is not some little weak need God saying, well, I, I've lost all my power. He's a God saying, I wish somebody would speak a word. I wish somebody would get a hold. I wish somebody gets stirred up in the name of Jesus.
this. Brother Elmo, that's what we need. We need a church that stays stirred up in the fires of revival. Hey, we need somebody that says, hey, I'm not every week in and out, in and out. I'm going to get my feet planted on the rock. And I've got my mind made up. I'm going to serve Jesus. A gentleman told me that they said, Brother Dunham, he said, why do y'all feel the need in Pentecostal churches to say, let's praise God? Amen. I said, let me ask you something. When you say the blessing over a table and there's more than one person, does everybody have to say the blessing? Well, no. He said, one person will bless for everybody. I said, but don't, don't you see everybody bow their head or close their eyes, whatever? I said, why don't that one person just let the other people keep yakking? Why, why is everybody getting reverent? So if that'd be the case, when you go to a ball game or something like that and they're doing the Pledge of Allegiance, shouldn't one person be good enough and the rest of us just keep eating a hot dog and getting the mustard off our face? I'm on somebody. You want to know why they're asking everybody? Because there's, there, there's a power even in patriotism with everybody standing up and getting reverent. I'm not into the political side. That's not what I came to say. Why is it that the world wants unison, but they want the church to be divided? The world wants unity in creating division. Let that sink in for for a minute. The devil is not scattered. The devil is organized. He's planned. He knows what he wants to do. He knows what puzzle pieces to move. And we don't need a church. I'm going to get out here with you and preach this. We don't need a church divided and scattered. Half of them full of joy and the other half going to hell in a handbasket. We need a church together unified that says when it's time to shout, we'll shout. When it's time to cry, we'll cry. When it's time to fast, we'll fast. When it's time to pray, we'll pray. If we can ever get on the same page as the body of Christ, that's whenever the devil would begin to run and it starts in your mouth. I wish somebody would open up your mouth right now and say, God, I speak blessings over my family, over my church. Let that come out of your mouth right now. Come on, somebody, let blessings come out of your mouth. Don't speak death over your family. Speak life over your family. You've been giving the devil credit for too long. Well, Brother Dunham, my sciatic nerve has bothered me. Speak life over the sciatic nerve and not death. Honey, God made every nerve ending in your body. He ain't scared of the sciatic nerve. He ain't scared of a vertebrae. He ain't scared of a tendon or a ligament. He is God. And when I open my mouth and speak healing, that's when miracles and healings come. I'm going to stay right there for a minute. I know some of you are probably wishing I would quit. It's time for us to open our mouth and begin to speak live. Hey, somebody praise him. You be seated for a moment. We ain't even got to the real good part. Brother Dunham, I thought this is good. It is good, but there's always something greater with God. God. So they get there in the inner part of the prison. Now it takes Paul and Silas. You need Paul. 
What would the proof of that be? You need some silas. Silas. You need some pauses and silas. A plethora of preachers. I can tell who's watched Three Amigos in here. Amen. I ain't never seen that movie, glory to God. So they get in there, and that sweat's running down in them cuts on their back where they had been, the tar had been beat out of them. We had a dog one time, and I'm probably sharing too much information. I don't advocate animal cruelty, but that dog, he had been so cruel to us, we just decided to give him a taste of his own medicine. That dog, every morning he had scattered the trash all through the yard. And it wasn't even my dog. And I done told the neighbor, will you please? I'm out there before school, and you know in the morning time that old grass is wet. Nasty. Daddy be like, y'all boys gonna pick that trash up. Little scrapes of paper. Yeah, food. Stuff that looked like it had something that wasn't food on it. <laughs> well, what could that be, brother? You ain't country enough, you don't know what to, yeah. Stuff that looked just snotty and slimy and nasty. There you go. Go to the water holes and scrub your hands up and your shoes is all grass. You got grass on your blue jeans. And that next morning, again. So I told my brother, I said, I'm going to catch that dude. And I'm going to tie him to a tree. And me and him's going to have some fellowship. Fellow and ship. Fellowship. Together with the Lord and the devil there. And the dog and me. There we go. We tied him to a tree. Anybody know what a siphling hose is? And I went and grabbed one of daddy's siphling hoses and I... Oh, yeah. And I got to swinging that thing like hefty Indiana Jones. And I wrapped that dog right in the belly with that siphling hose. And he looked at me like, what are you doing? And I thought, hit him again. Well, you know what? I popped that dog four or five times. And it wasn't until about the fourth or fifth time that it really must have got to him. Because I'm going to tell you something, his countenance changed. And then I thought, if I don't untie him, daddy's going to kill me. But if I do let him go, he's fixing to bite a hump out of me. So my brother said, I tell you what we're going to do. He said, crank the three. We had a three-wheeler back then. He said, crank the three-wheeler. I'll reach down and untie him and we'll take off. We wasn't thinking we should have left it running. And back then, you had to... I ain't doing it again. <laughs> it wasn't no, no. Big Red. I think Brother Goins gave that to Dad. Or Dad worked on, Dad used to work on stuff and fix it, and then people say they didn't want it. So we inherited a lot of stuff. That thing wouldn't crank for nothing. There, I'd die. <laughs> and look, let me tell you, he got a hold of the end of my shoe. I thought I was dying. And my brother's dying laughing. I'm hollering, go, go. 
But then what's the moral of that story? I know you're dying to know. The moral of that story is sometimes things in life that are causing harm and just scattering all kind of trouble in your life. Sometimes you think the best thing I can do is to try to get back at that person or that thing that's causing me trouble. That co-worker that's doing this, I tell you what, I'm going to tie them up spiritually and I'm going to let them have it both barrels. But we learn from that dog. Some problems you can't outrun. Some things you can't whip. Some things you just need to say, hey God, I'm leaving this in your hands. I'm going to tell you tonight what we should have done. We should have said you know what? We should have went to our father, my dad, and we should have pleaded with him and said, Dad, we're tired of this. Can you help us? But no, we tried to handle it our own own. And when Daddy found out what we did to that dog, he got a hold of us. I want to tell you something today. If you want to mess up your life, use your mouth to speak the wrong thing and do the wrong thing, and your problem will get worse. But if you let praise come in your mouth and say, Father, before I I handle this on my own before I mess it up I'm turning it over to you I know this is for somebody in here tonight before you lay your tongue on something or somebody and say something mean or hateful turn it over to God and let God deal with it I'm just going to be really transparent with you this is going out over the internet and I don't care I don't live in Canada. There's about a two-year period where I just didn't date at all. Had no desire. I was focusing on preaching, serving God, singing, whatever. And there was a lady that I know very well. Some of you in this church know her. I don't know who started which one. So it started the rumor that I enjoyed the company of men instead of ladies. The first thing I want to do is go catch her by her pipe stem neck and ring her like somebody making dumplings. <laughs> I don't blame you. You can call me whatever you want, Holly. Don't call me that. Hurtful. So I'm sitting here thinking, is that all you got? And I started looking at this person's life and all the hell that was going on. And I thought, really? Just say, what if it was true? How does that help you? How does pointing out what somebody else is doing wrong help you? Oh, I'm fixing to preach right here, right now. You just ain't realized it yet. The Bible never says don't judge. It just says if you judge with the same measure. You ever notice people that are fault finders do so to take the focus off all the boo-boo going on in their life. And those that always find wrong with other people's ministry and this and that. My pastor said, there's people telling them, y'all need to just leave that church and turn it over to somebody else. Let somebody else take it. 
Then people have no desire to have the responsibility of pastoring a church or being a pastor's wife or youth pastor, children's leader, but they can see what you may be doing wrong. But those are the same people just a few weeks ago. They're falling behind you like the fortune-telling woman saying you're the greatest thing since sliced bread. Look, everybody enjoys a good compliment to say, hey, I'm on the right track. I enjoyed that. But you can't let your spiritual barometer be measured by the compliments of men and women because some of the same people that love you today and are waving palm branches in your favor will be saying Nelly hide Nelly's hide up to a cross and get rid of him so what I found out if I'll use my mouth to praise God and just open it up and use it for blessings it don't matter who's for me or who's against me as long as I know that God is on my side come on honey that's all that matters all I need to know is Jesus is with me notice how the scene changes when he casts the devil out of the lady the story goes in a different direction stripes sweating their back don't you notice the shift here at midnight Paul and Silas prayed They didn't complain about the food. They didn't complain about the brown water. They didn't complain about the thermostat. I can gauge where somebody's spirit's at, but the first thing they do when they walk into church is say, boy, it's hot in here. They're as dead as last year's corn crop, and you couldn't pry them out of a pew. If the air wasn't working in here right now, we could open all these doors, set up some box fans, and do sweating to the oldies, Richard Simmons and the Holy Ghost, all in here together. Come on, somebody. I preached tent revivals in South Louisiana in the middle of the summer and had to pour water out of my shoe. But I'm going to tell you something. I still let a praise come out of my mouth and let a song come out of my spirit. I wish somebody would at midnight just stand up and say, hey, we're going to pray about this. We're going to sing about this. When you feel like you're locked up in jail, the greatest thing you can do is to begin to praise the one that if he allows you to get in prison he's the one that's going to open the doors and he's going to get you out your praise is in your mouth if pastor tells me I preach good all right if brother Goins tells me I do all right but see this is no disrespect I don't have to have that Me, me and pastor have been preaching about the same length of time only difference between me and him is is that he spent a lot more time around places where there was a lot of Pentecostal churches. God sent me to a place where Pentecostal church was scared as a good teeth in a hockey player. I know what it's like to preach to people that have no idea. They're like, the Holy Ghost, is that Casper's brother? Come on. Some are used to going in churches where when you say, oh, hallelujah, somebody goes, they do the pressure cooker (laughs) tenderizing that meat in Jesus name I don't know where that come from it's out there now (laughs) you got anything (laughs) 
They don't know what it's like to walk in there. And here's what it is. Everybody get real quiet. Some of y'all, in other words, just do what you've been doing since you got here. All right, everybody, ready on the count of three. One, two, three. Shh. It's the golf channel. He's lining the butt up. It's Tiger Woods. When you go, let's praise him. And the only amens your wife goes, preach it, brother. Oh, that's his wife. She's got to say that. Sometimes it felt like being in a jail. But I remember those times. Started out with 10 people in our living room. And I remember sitting there on a Sunday and seeing 85, 90 people in a church that everybody told us, you are not started, God's not going to bless it, it's going to fail. And I've stood up there and preached the word of God to them 90, just like I preached to them 10. I want to tell you something, a real man, a woman of God, their real praise is when nobody's watching. It's in the midnight hour when nobody's looking. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost right there. That's whenever you're going to get your greatest victory. When at midnight, you can begin to praise him. When at midnight, you can say, God, I may be locked up in prison, but though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Somebody give him that midnight praise right now and say, God, it may not look good now, but I'm going to praise you. I love you, sweetheart. Y'all like baseball. That's a baseball family right here. He likes it. I hope Bregman wins the home run derby. At midnight, let him win. I don't want to stay up that late. At nine o'clock, let him win. Sometimes a game is just, you're like, man, we're losing. It, it don't look that bad, but it's like, it's three to nothing. We're in the heart of the game. Just say it's a major league game. There's nine innings and it's top of the seventh and it's three nothing. You kind of start getting a little worried. And that old skipper will say, come on, so-and-so. One hit. One hit. Just get on base. I'm not asking you to hit a home run. It, what a, get on. We'll bring you in. It starts with one. And you're thinking, just one lousy hit. You got guys on the team that they got thousands of hits between them in their career. Hundreds of home runs, but nobody seemed like they can get on. And all of a sudden, full count, three and two, the worst batter in the lineup gets up there and everybody at home is going, well, we're fixing to go into the next inning because it's over with. And all of a sudden, and I look, man, look, especially when you're at a ball game, I believe that's a sin. Well, you go to heaven being holy and just condemn the rest of us, and you're probably driving in a vehicle the pagans own, and you'll go to hell for that. I'm going to shake your hand just so they'll know I'm nice. God bless you. You can hear it. And you know by the sound of that, it's going somewhere good. And man... That guy gets on and he turns around the dugout and he goes. And the rally's on. Whether you win that game or whether you don't, there's life. 
I want to tell you folks, I'm just going to be real. Some battles we're not going to win. We're going to win the war, but some battles spiritually, we're going to, we seem like we're losing ground. Sometimes people's going to come get baptized. They go down in the water. They put their dry clothes on, and you never see them again. Some of your family's going to come to church. They're going to walk in. They're going to say, hey, I love it. And they're going to get in the car and say, they're crazy. That's too much for me. When they need prayer again, they're going to call you. My point is, don't grow weary in well-doing. For in due season, you shall reap if you faint not. I wish somebody right now would stand on your feet and say, I'm not a quitter. I'm not a fainter. In the good times, I'm going to praise him. In the bad times, I'm going to praise him. Sister Lisa, when you're at your darkest hour, he's still God, darling. And it don't matter what people say. They can lay their tongue on whatever they want. I'm aiming to please God. God and that's all that matters there was an earthquake brother Lester in that jail everybody say whole lot of shaking going on I seen your foot twitch all of a sudden them people in that jail There's a difference between apostolic, Pentecostal, Holy Ghost singing than singing in other churches. I was in a church here not too long ago, and they were singing, How Great Is Our God. And I thought, my, what if I'm talking about I'm not going to do it because it pains me just to try to do it like they was doing it. But I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, shoo, shoo, no joy, no happiness. There's a guy standing out front, now, now, I've seen in a lot of different denominations, and he's counting. That's a good workout. I'm ready for a hot dog. <laughs> and the sopranos, you know, he'd, do, he'd choreograph. It's, everybody, it's not, they were on key. There was nothing wrong with the notes or there, there was no passion. And when that guy got up there behind them to preach, he says, I'd like for everybody to turn to the book of Corinthians and we're going to go through Paul's dissertation to yada, yada, yada. And then people stand there and I saw the camera pan over to this little boy and he had a look on his face like somebody was about to pull a tooth with a bad cavity. He didn't want to be there. And I looked around the crowd and most of them people, they looked unhappy. This is the house of God. And I have been, I'm not going to call the denomination, I've been in other churches at that same denomination. I've seen happy folks. You can't judge a church by what's over the door. You can walk in churches that say they're spirit-filled, and they are, it's just the wrong spirit. We need some people at midnight that'll sing praises to God. I love singing with these ladies, these gentlemen on the praise team here at church. You want to know why? Because they know what they're singing about. When we get up here and we're singing, hey, when God, when you walk into the room, everything changes. Everybody on that stage has had their life changed by the power of God. Hey, give me a spirit-filled choir or a praise team any day. Oh, the one that's got the latest and greatest this. I want somebody that at midnight knows how to get in touch with God. Come 
on somebody. Don't you want church leaders? Don't you want church people that know how to get in touch with God at the midnight hour and make the walls shake? Real quickly, and I'm fixing to let you go. Sister Megan, come help me get out of this. Amen. Somebody said this recently, and I heard it. And man, when I, when I had laid on my heart what God wanted me to preach tonight, Brother Reggie, I thought about this. There was, man, I know where I saw it. It was, it was somebody had posted on Facebook. Uh, many of you know the Crab family, singers. Uh, this was uh, one of the ladies. And she was up talking and she said, they went on a field trip to their son and daughter school. They took them to the zoo in Nashville. Well, they got to the part where all the reptilians are. That's reptiles in English. And they got up there, just a bear, and the lady pulled a big old snake out of a cage. And all the kids went, ooh. I wouldn't have said, ooh. I'd have been in the other room. When he walks out of the room, when he runs out of the room, I'd have been Yogi Bear, boogity, 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 looking for a picnic basket. They brought that big old snake out of there. And she told the kids, said, now y'all be quiet. Said, snakes don't have ears, but they're not completely deaf. They have an auditory sensor that picks up vibrations. And if you get too loud, you will scare that snake to death. And I'll have to put him up. I said, God, you laid that right in my lap. The Bible talks about the, the serpent. So if it's true, the louder that we praise God, the more fear it strikes into the serpent. I'm just going to pretend I'm some of you. Why would you want to come to church? And sit still. If the louder I praise him, the more fear gets in his heart. I ought to be on my feet with my voice lifted every chance I get singing a praise unto the God. Let me tell you what, wouldn't the great testimony be? I struck fear in the heart of the enemy with the praise that was coming out of my mouth. On the count of three, why don't we lift up a praise? One, two, three. Come on, somebody begin to pray. One, two, three. You hear that, devil? Let the vibrations of praise. Let the vibration of praise ring in this house. That's what caused the earthquake. The vibration of praise. Brother Lester, when he starts messing with you, say, greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. 